Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast discussing all things Yeovil Town Football Club. I'm your host Liam Trim, taking over from the departed Josh Fordham, who has shown his true colours, returning to Kent to be a sport reporter and, and cover teams up there where he's originally from. Leave Yeovil to the Somerset guys, we're, we're still here. He's yeah. letting himself in forward, is he? Exactly, so don't forget of course to check out somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport for all the latest Yeovil Town news from our sports reporter Stephen Dabiak, he's here with me. Well, Liam. And of course I'm also joined by Mike Taylor, our, uh, your Bridgewater, your Burnham-on-Sea, you've got a lot of Basically, towns. Basically West there. Somerset, yeah, yeah. If, it's, if it's happening on the beaches, I'm there, I'm the, your man. But Mike's thrown himself into to discovering all things Yeovil Town <coughs> and he's even been to Hewish Park recently yes. and we might hear his views on his first time experience of watching well, the Glovers later in the podcast. Yeah. This week we'll be discussing Yeovil lost 2-1 to Wickham at the weekend up in Wickham, um, so it's another away day loss, they're struggling to get that away form sorted, Yeovil, we'll also be discussing Jordan Green, who Stephen's got a bit of praise for, we've got a quiz, a mystery quiz, which the lads Ooh. don't know what I've prepped for them, it does have a Wickham link, that quiz, so we'll do that shortly after that, then we'll be talking about Darren Way and the pressure on him, whether Yeovil are really in a relegation battle, and we'll also be looking ahead to a week of cup fixtures with the Checkered Raid Trophy coming up and also the FA Cup, the magic of the FA Cup for Yeovil. So starting with looking back on that defeat against Wickham then, Stephen, you travelled up there as always. Was it Were there positive signs in this performance or was it another away day loss and a, and a gloomy gloomy day for Yeovil? Well, it's just getting to a stage where it's a bit like Groundhog Day now for Yeovil on the road. You know, they, they go... Go into a away game, you know, there's a bit of confidence, a bit of optimism that day might be the day where things turn around and unfortunately, same result, another loss. Um, what I will say though, is and I know that there are a few fans that, that disagreed with me when I when I put this out um, in the match report, is that it, I don't think it was as bad as some of the more recent performances. There, there were, you know, there were signs that Yeovil, you know, were, had improved defensively. They kept Wickham quite quiet for the majority of the game. It was only really the five-minute spell where both goals came, where they looked shaky. Um, I thought Omar Swimley dealt with um, the presence of Akin Fenwa, who everybody knows the threat that he poses. You know, he dealt, dealt with him very well. And um, Yeovil did have chances, particularly in the second half, to level the game. And, it, it, you know, had Jordan Green not gone just narrowly wide or had Francois Zoko sort of cross slash shot, you know, found another man to tap it in, it could have been a different story. Um, I think the problem is that when you have the amount of away losses that Yeovil have had, it just gets, you get that feeling of deja vu and it's almost like, here we go again. And it's sort of, you know, when they keep going away and they keep losing, it just compounds that, I feel. Yeah, I have to say, uh, watching the highlights back, that, that first goal for Wickham, it's just, you know, it's a point I've made several times on this podcast in, in the weeks before, that it's just Yeovil don't seem to clear the ball very well and they give teams too many chances to shoot was that were you frustrated with that first goal yeah I think it was but I, I think you have to then balance that by the fact that for the majority of the game Yeovil did deal with those balls very well I think it was a it was a poor clearance I think by by Wimney but it but you have to hand it to the Wickham player for the finish because you still had to put the ball for a sea of Yeovil defenders yeah, about three, I just looked at the highlights it was about three Yeovil players in yeah, front of him it was a very well yeah. taken goal and I know Yeovil gave him a chance but yeah, I think if you look at how they've been in recent away games and compare it to Saturday, on the whole they were much more solid. It was unfortunate that that mistake did give Wickham the opening goal because it looked from a lot of that first half as though they were going to go in at half time at nil nil, and it just sparked this crazy flurry of goals where you know three goals before half time, Yeovil went in at two one, and 
You know, it was a much more exciting half than it looked like it was going to be for a lot of that. No, that's positive to hear then that there were, there were signs of a better performance in there. And I have to say, I was pleased to see Yeovil getting the ball out of the net and running back, you know, a bit of yeah. urgency once they got that goal back. Yeah. And Mike, you were at the um, the home game against Notts County yeah. a few days before, and obviously a good point against a team yeah. doing very well in League Two under Kevin Nolan. Having been at that game, were you surprised to hear that Yeovil failed to defeat a Wickham? Or? Um, not really, I mean, because Yeovil, unfortunately, don't really travel well. Mm. Um, their, their home form was better than their away form. Um, and it's a case of just the other don't really travel well, really. Um, I thought they did all right against uh, Notts County, really. Again, that arguably they should be two, three nil down, really. But it was only I think Notts County's poor chances and uh, not taking their chances that they didn't go two, three uh, nil ahead. But um, you know, Yeovil rode away and got a nice, a respectable point uh, point against uh, Notts County. But maybe if they applied that same sort of logic and that maybe that same sort of um, approach to the um, the working game maybe it could have at the very least got a point out of it and something to build on but it's again it's put more pressure on the team and the, and the manager um, but they're the poor way from yeah. unfortunately so. and come back to you Stephen of course second goal was a penalty do you think it was a pen? I think it's very it's a difficult one I think there is a little bit of contact between uh, Tom James and the, um, and, the, and the Wickham attacker but I think you look at it again he's already got the shot away Yeovil have already dealt with the shot it's not going in it's not really a goal scoring opportunity because I think he's got the shot away before he's been mm. impeded so I think it's quite a soft one for the referee to give I can see why he's given it but it's disappointing that that, that was given I, I know you could probably if you apply the laws of a game and I think if it was the other way around and Yeovil hadn't got that mm. I think you, there would be complaints but That's a fair point. It, it is it is frustrating because I don't think it really you know had an had an impact on on the shot. I think the shot was always going to be saved. I don't think he was. He really didn't fall over until after he'd hit the ball. Mm. So, you know, I think maybe you know the referees maybe would have been a bit kinder and would have given the benefit of a doubt. But again, you know, the decision was made and um, and. Wickham took advantage of that. Mm. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think I, I agree with you that I, I, you can see the contact, you can see why the referee's given it, but it does come across being a bit soft. The only thing I would say is I think in the same passage of play, you always had a little nibble at someone else, and it's always like you know, yeah, something on the edge of the arrow, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I don't know what Mike. What did you make of the penalty decision? I mean, yeah, it was very. It seemed very soft. It seemed very um, practical, really, because you know he took put the shot away, and then he obviously went over that. But and uh, my first impressions of all. You know, I thought, okay, maybe about it, but then it was then it was given. Then you look at the highlights. You know, like, well, okay, that's a bit too over the top, really. It's very soft, really, and I think it's maybe been solved on the fact how he fell, really. Um, there might have been contact, but just because there's contact in the area doesn't mean that um, it's penalty. Um, I would only say it would have been a penalty, say, if it was a proper. Mm. Proper tackle, if you know what I mean. I think if he if he'd taken his legs away and he hadn't, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. The ball, then yeah, that's a if he kicked him up in the air, for goodness sake, but, I mean, that would have been a dead, dead on yeah. penalty. I, but, I, I yeah. know that the laws of the game, you know, you have to apply the, the, you know, have to give the foul no matter what happens. But I think sometimes you can take a look back, and if mm. you're the referee, you look at it, he said he's got the shot away. It was, you know, it wasn't going in. Yeovil dealt with it. It seems a bit harsh then to give Wickham, you know, the, the penalty, mm. which gives him just the golden chance to go two 0 up based on that, but. You know, it's it, it's the way that the game is. You know, you can't change it, and um, unfortunately, it cost you over on this occasion. Yeah, 
And just before we move on to talk about Jordan Green specifically, Stephen, uh, there was a late chance for Yeovil, which sort of agonisingly close to snatching a point. Um, would they have been good value for a point, do you think, if they had managed to get 2-2? I think, I think they would have deserved it. And I think for reason for that, and I know that a lot of fans were a bit frustrated, with, you know, there weren't a huge number of chances, but then Yeovil didn't allow Wickham a huge number of chances either. I mean, if you look in the second half, the only clear-cut chances they created. Two were from free kicks from distance, and the other one was from Akinfenwell with virtually the last kick of the game where he just tried his luck from 25 yards and hit the bar. Mm. So um, I don't think Yeovil really gave Wickham that much either, and the two chances they had were arguably better than um, than the chances that Wickham had. I, I want to talk about Jordan Green because I think he was, fr- he was thrown in at late notice. Otis Khan dropped out through illness and Rhys Brown was injured on the, um, on the eve of the game. And um, so it was an opportunity for Jordan Green. And actually, if you go back and look at the highlights, anything good that Yeovil did, he was at the heart of it. He set yeah. up. But he set, yeah. yeah, he set the goal. I mean, the the, the footwork and the, the cross that came in was sublime, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, and for the un- uninitiated, uh, Stephen, uh, just explain who is Jordan Green. Yeah, well, you signed him this summer from from Bournemouth. He's um, he's a He's a forward player. He can play centrally. He can play out wide. He's very quick. So he's been mainly utilised as a bench player for Yeovil. Right. He did get a start at Exeter and check a trade trophy and played played pretty well. You know, he um, set up a couple of goals there, if I remember rightly. And he, he unfortunately got injured probably in about a month or so ago. So he had a few weeks out of a hamstring problem. But he's come back in. And you know, from the way he played on Saturday, I mean, he's definitely worth a run in the team because... It wasn't just the assist. He had a shot that went narrowly wide. He set up the um, the chance for Zoko at the end. And um, really, in the first half, when Yeovil were getting forward, he was the player who you know looked like he was going to make something happen. So you know, it was a really encouraging debut. And I know that for a fact that Darren uh, was very happy with his performance too. So um, I think it's a good chance of two cup games this week for him to get a couple more games under his belt and really push on and establish a, a place in the team. That's good to hear. I mean, certainly, I think going forward, Yeovil have got some exciting options this season. And linking into talking about forward players, here's a quiz with a Wickham oh, connection. Now, you mentioned him in the little chat there. Let's oh, test your Akin Fenwer oh, knowledge. So I've got is, five... this, is this both for both of us? Yeah, yeah. So I think right. because the questions aren't aren't that easy, I'm just going to throw it open and we'll just see who comes back at me with with the answer. I'll, I'll do a little tally. I'll do a little tally. There you go. Um, but, but, so the first, right, you. the first question I've got for you is: is what is Akinfenwa's overall rating on on FIFA 18? Oh, I saw this the other day. He's 62, isn't it? So Mike's gone for 62. Do you want to have I'm a guess? Say, I mean, his strength really pulls him up, doesn't he? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for 65. Oh, it's close from Stephen. 64. 64. Oh. I'm gonna give Stephen a point for coming closest. Um, but yeah, I believe that his, you know, part of his cult status as a player is because he has historically been the, the strongest player on FIFA, isn't it? It's, I heard about the strength. I heard this on Five Live because he was on it. Um, I think a few weeks ago, and he said he only knew about really about FIFA and how he was the strongest player through KSI and all the videos he did from it. Oh, right. And that's only when he started looking at looking at um, a FIFA and went and then he started making conversations with uh, EA. About it, that's there you go. Yeah, second question on Akin Fenwer Name the club he scored the most goals for in his career. You know what? I spent quite a lot of time looking at his stats before the okay. game, and I, I, I'm struggling. I, I, I'm going to take a guess at Northampton because I know he had two spells there and he was really prolific. Stephen's gone Northampton. Do you want to differ yeah. or agree, Michael? Oh, god, I can't even remember this. I can't even remember his clubs. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to drag it out. Stephen's got it right. What oh, for goodness sake, <laughs> sports reporter with the knowledge there. If you, if you told me this is about Akin Fenwell, I would probably. Uh, 
done a bit of research before. Hey, hey, it's the same for both of us. I didn't know either. That's the oh, point. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want anyone doing research. Right, true or false? True or false? Rather, cat got my tongue there. He runs a clothing label called Beast Mode Off. True that's, or false? That's, oh, true. that's true. It's actually Beast Mode On. I just threw oh, a yeah. curveball <laughs> there. So no, no points there. Now, in the 2002-2003 season, Akinfenna won two trophies with Barry Town. Name the trophies. Welsh Cup. Correct. Do you want to try and steal the other trophy, Michael? Can it, is it an individual one? No, no, no. This is a team. A two, Welsh two, Premier two. League. Correct, Stephen. Stephen oh. is showing who is the sports reporter in the room. 3-0 up in Yeah, this because quiz. we all know that wide knowledge of Welsh football. It's probably there was a time where that famous TNS, Total Network what? Solutions. Oh, oh they're, still playing, they're still winning all the football. titles. That's why that threw me off. I was thinking, what well, they've won it for the last, past like 50 uh, no. years. Well, <laughs> Barry, Barry were big in 2002-03, I'm afraid. Well, especially with Akin Fenwick up front. I mean, that is the biggest striker around. Uh, in an interview with GQ, GQ recently, uh, this is the last question, by the way, guys, cool. he revealed... The strongest player he's ever played against, in his opinion. He's a Premier League title-winning centre-back. Can you name him? Rio Ferdinand. The strongest player he's ever played against. And by I, this, I'm, I mean physical, I'm gonna like Akinfen was. Take oh, physical. I'm going to take, take a punt at Wes Morgan, because I know he was in the lower leagues. For, Stephen but, Dalby no. has got it again. That is incredible knowledge, and I would just like to stress for you listeners that it, you know they, neither of them did know about this. So Stephen has pulled it all out the bag. Well, he has Where's got a laptop Morgan? in front of him, so you know he might. Where's be Morgan and Leicester the City? Of Mike just going to turn my laptop to yeah, reveal. I, I didn't oh, see any. No, I didn't sure. see any. Cheeky, I saw you closing the tab. Didn't see any <laughs> cheeky searches. To be fair, so that was the quiz. Stephen showing his dominance, a four 0 win. We'll try and have other quizzes in future Glovers Talk podcasts to come. Make sure you do subscribe to our podcast, by the way, on iTunes and Audio Boom. Moving on then just to talk more generally about Darren Way Yeovil's manager are his excuses running a bit thin now I mean this this away form he doesn't seem to be able to fix it even when the odd point is picked up at home like that draw against Knox County it's not enough to lift Yeovil clear of the relegation zone so A I guess are we talking the pressure on Darren Way is mounting to the point that something needs to be done and B are Yeovil genuinely in a relegation mm. dogfight I think to answer the first one I think if you look at Saturday as a one-off result, I think you, you need to give Darren the benefit of the doubt purely based on that. And the reason for that is that if you look at the fixtures, to go away to Wickham, who I think were the second highest scorers at home this season, and get a result, it's always going to be incredibly tough for a team to go there in the other position get get a result. And had they got a point, I would have you know said that, would have, that was a fantastic result for them. Um but you have to then look at it with the games that have come before that. And you mm. know, to lose eight times in ten games on the road, it's a, it's a really disappointing run. And it's it's not a run that anyone you know, should be particularly proud of. And it's one that is uh, it's one that is really having a damaging effect on the overall season. I, I don't you know I, I I don't think it was a, the worst performance we've seen from the overall on the road. Mm. I think it was one of the better ones. But again, you know, it just wasn't quite enough to get something. Um, I don't think the I don't think it's really a tipping point yet for Darren Way, but you've got to look at the games that are coming up, and um, they are tough games because if you take out the cup games, the next league game is at home to Lincoln, who are yeah. doing pretty well. Then it's away at Mansfield, and you know away at Mansfield that's going to be a tough game. Then Exeter at home, and that takes you into the halfway point of the season. And really, you know, it, it, if you overall don't get points from that from those games, I think they're almost nailed on to being relegation zone by Christmas and then that really mm-hmm. is the point where 
you I think that'll be the biggest test and whether the board will act because we've seen before, you know, Yeovil's board are willing to give time to managers and they pro- they're probably much more generous than many other clubs at doing that. But when the crunch time comes and it looks like the club may genuinely struggle to stay in the league, they have acted. And so I think that's the time where um where you'll you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what the board do because mm. you know, football ultimately is a results business and if the results aren't there then you know, it would be no surprise if something did happen at that point. So just to refresh uh, people's memories then, uh, Yeovil currently in 18th in League 2. They've got 20 points after 20 matches. And they're a mere three points above Barnet, who are in the first of the two relegation slots in 23rd place. They've got 17 points. So yeah, it's getting a bit perilous now. Mike, I mean, if, if you were supporting a club, what is, what is it that you look for when, you know, there needs to be a change at the top for the manager. What what is the, the, the triggers? It surely is something like dropping into the relegation. Uh, yeah, it would be really. Um, it's interesting, really, how long they hold out, really, because as I think it's just wearing your patience. And if you if you have a run of results and there's no signs of improvement, like you've lost five games and any of them, none of them have shown any fight, then you have to then question: Is it a squad's problem? You know, is it? Do you know? Do you have to start rotating and get the bad bad eggs out, or is it the coaching? Is it the tactics? And then then you you go for all those um, those 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 points, and then you go towards the manager. Um, well, it I mean it is a collection of issues really. I think the discipline um, at Yorktown really hasn't helped them. Obviously, they had how many red cards in the past? It was four in the previous four games. Yeah, so I mean that's. Maybe that's more of a player's issue, really. But um, in terms of the tactics, I mean, it's it's Darren who sets him up, really, and he's the one who you know needs to look at the, these games in a very pragmatic sense, really. You know, you need to look at these games at the very least. If you're going towards a top half team, at least go for a point. Um, sounds negative, but a point is better than nothing. Um, but when you have um, silly results and you end up getting thumbs on the road, you get some good sides, and you know you have to sometimes question his position really but it will be interesting how they do up until New Year's and then uh, then I think that'll be when the decision's made whether or not he um, he goes or not I think and obviously Mike you visited Hewish Park yep. for the first time to watch a match the other day what was your impression as as someone who's coming to it fresh you yep. know, why why was Yo- <clears throat> why Yeovil so much better at home than they are on the road is there really a good atmosphere inside think... Hewish Park when you when you talk about atmosphere, I think I think there's I think you get the you get the get the cheering when it's uh, you know pre match half time full time you know, whenever a song gets kicked up in here or a poor foul then you get the or the bad referee decision then you get the crowd um, up in arms and you then you get the noise but other than that there's not really as much of an atmosphere you'd expect really um, you know um, but in terms of um, the games I think that how he sets up I mean Yovetown played very defensive they were very much a case of was just play from the back and just hold our own and then just lump it up front. Um, I think the problem was with that tactic was that they were just, they were feeding it to Oskar and he was not passing to the area or he was not finding that, that one key pass or he wasn't looking up. Um, alongside that, they, the midfield was was there but he wasn't finding the strikers and I don't think the strikers were able to make that move, those key moves you'd see. Mm. So... It was very frustrating. A lot of people around me were getting very frustrated. Some people blamed the manager. Some people blamed the, the players. So you don't know, really know what to expect, really. Um, but it was um, it was an interesting experience. Um, and it, I think the way people are talking and how they are around me, they are very much a case of, you know, it takes a few more results and they'll start getting very more negative, start mm. booing the players. And the, 
and the, and the coaching staff. I mean, I don't like seeing that, but uh, no. you know that might be the turning point, really. So it's interesting you picked up. Yeah, you know, there's a bit of bit of unease, and I guess there would be uh, the way that results gone. Stephen, mm. you know, we've spoken before in previous weeks how maybe there's not a standout obvious replacement for Darren Way, and that's obviously a, a thing that's going to hold back any mm. any changes. That has to be a factor. Uh, yes. I'm sure if a vacancy did arise, there would be people who would be interested. After all, it's a football league job, and there are a lot of people who want to get that break in management, so it would yeah. attract some people. I think to take it back to your point about the atmosphere and that is something that is, you know, as a former season ticket holder who used to yeah. be in the terrace every week, there has been a noticeable drop off in, you know, the amount of noise that comes in that terrace. Because mm. I mm. remember back to the championship year, I remember back to the League One year, mm. after that the promotion season even. And um, you know, that that place was rocking for ninety minutes, you know, it was, you know, song after song, you know, it was a really you know, it was really good fun to be part of that, to be in in that stand and to really you know take in the atmosphere around there I think the problem is as the overall decline so have the attendances yeah I completely agree I was going to say that one a lot of the hardcore fans who would generate that noise are staying away from games at the moment and that's for a number of reasons it's down to results it's down to a lot of fans are unhappy with the board but it it does affect the whole atmosphere there because you know if you had been to Hewish Park two or three years ago you know the amount of noise that you'd hear you know, almost, it's almost. You'd hear it from the offices, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember a time, and I, I live probably about a mile away from the ground, and I've, you know, no time. I've remember times when I've not been at games where I've been able to hear the mm. crowd from mm. from my house, and that's probably about a mile away. Because it's here. quite an open stadium as yeah. well. It's not, it's not close like a White Hart Lane, for example. But so I've know. not missed a home mm. game in probably you know best <laughs> part of two years now. But if you. If I was at home while a game was going on, I very much doubt I'd be able to hear that. Mm. And it, it's it's a real shame because it, it, it's basically the results of spiral had a downward spiral since the championship season, and mm. it, it just it's had a knock on effect on everything else. So really, which is a real so shame. really, it's just a case of when the results picking up and the, and the football gets better, then you you will see that noise returning, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah it's well, like any club, there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Mike, I know that you're writing up your experience of of, of going to to Hewish Park. Um, so keep an eye on Somerset Live at Curricay Forward Slash Sport for kind of his review, not just of you know the noise in the ground and what it was like that night, but the ho- the whole match day experience. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but Stephen, it's interesting what you're saying there about the home form and the drop in atmosphere, <clears throat> because um, obviously Yeovil's home form still has been so much better, even though there's been that drop off in atmosphere. What, what would what would you put your finger on to say that's why they've been better at home if it's not as an intimidating place to come anymore? I think it's I think it's just for players who have visibly have much more confidence at home. Yeah. I think it's now become a psychological hurdle, I think, the away form, because they keep losing away, they keep going away and conceding one or two goals in the first half, and it's almost as though it wasn't really as much of a case on Saturday, to be honest, because they did have to give it a good go in the mm. second half to try and get back into it, but we've seen games like Newport and Carlisle and I mean Luton, infamously now, mm. where... You know, they conceded a couple of goals and then just... It, Heads dropped. Yeah, it looked as the second that first goal went in or second goal went in, they, you could almost sense the players thought, well, that's it, we're not getting back into it. And they can't afford to do that. I think if you look at how Yeovil set up tactically, and you have to bear in mind on Saturday, Yeovil were without Otis Khan and Rhys Brown, who both dropped out late on. And I think Darren did almost set up in the way that he would have done if that had been a home game. And I think it was the right way to go because it, you... I think you're at the point with with Yeovil and with their away form that, you know, don't worry about where you're playing. Don't worry about who you're playing. 
just pretend every game is a home game. Mm. Go out and set up in mm. exactly the same way as if you were at home. Don't worry about the crowd. Don't worry about any of the external factors or anything like that. If you just go out, concentrate on football and play the same way that you're used to, then I think that could be the key to turning it around. And although they didn't get the result at Wickham, I think if they were to continue to play the way they did on Saturday away from home, going to Port Vale on Saturday in the Cup, then they've got a chance of getting a result. Whereas what they've done in previous games is they've sort of tinkered with the defence. They've gone to five-man defences. They've changed formation and it really hasn't worked. And it's almost like by doing so, although I think it, you know, it's I think Darren deserves some credit for being more flexible with tactics in a way that he perhaps wasn't last year. It's just not worked. And I think we're at the point now where you just, just pretend every game's a home game. Go for yeah. it. Take the game to your position and hopefully that will result in result in um, in an improvement in fortunes on the road. Yeah, I was going to say, because um, I, I was just looking at the, the stats, really, because um, Yeovil played 10 home games, they've got 16 points. Compare that to their waveform, bottom of the league in terms of the waveform, only picks up four points. Now, yeah. if you're going to talk about, you know, theoretical uh, uh, football, really, I mean, if if Yeovil were to repeat their home form on the way from, away from home, they'd be in the playoffs. Because they'll be on first two yeah. points, they'll just be in and around Swindon, who are, you know, six or seventh. I think and, even yeah. taking the playoffs out of it, because I don't think this Yeovil team is ready to. Oh no, no, no! Playoffs. I don't think that is. But, so I think, but even yeah. if you, even if you doubled the amount of points you got away from home, it would still only be eight in ten games, and it would oh, yeah, be yeah. great. But eight points, about seven points clear of relegation zone, are probably two or three positions yeah. higher in the table, and mm. that makes a lot of difference when mm. you're thinking about how close you are. Because <clears> it wasn't inconceivable that um, if results had gone against Yeovil in other games, that Yeovil would have ended Saturday in the relegation zone. Yeah. It's not beyond the realms of possibility if they lose to Lincoln, that they could drop into the bottom two as well. So you really are in a very dangerous you know, position. And I think what's happening now is that Yeovil, you know, have hit a run of games really genuinely difficult on paper and they're, they're going through the hardest run of fixtures so far this season. We've had Swindon, Notts County and Wickham, all teams in the playoffs. And um, they're games where if you look at them on paper, you probably wouldn't expect Yeovil to get anything from all those games. Mm. What's hurting them is the fact that you know, if you go back to September, October, when they had a much easier run of games on paper, the likes of Crawley, which they lost to, Likes of Cheltenham, Port Vale and Morecambe at home that they all um, drew to, um, drew with. Forest Green, where they were 2-0 and 3-1 up away from home and they ended up losing that game. Those are the, the opportunities that they had to really get the points on the board and distance themselves from that bottom two and they didn't mm. take them. And now they're playing the real heavyweights in the division. It's coming back to bite them mm. because they're not picking up the points. And meanwhile, the other teams around them who are pick, picking up the points, it's just dragging the oval closer and closer towards that bottom two and I think there is a real danger that if they don't pick up a couple of wins before Christmas you go into January where you know there's question marks over whether Fela Olamola will extend his loan you have to perhaps wonder you know whether any rival teams might try their luck and put a bid in for Otis Khan maybe and you know if you lose those two players in January and you are around the bottom two then all of a sudden the second half of that season becomes a lot more difficult than Mm. it is at the moment you're right, big challenges ahead, but um, I guess in more positive news, we've got two cup fixtures this week, a little honeymoon away from the, the league woes. Uh, just briefly look ahead to those and see. We've got Plymouth at home on Tuesday night, and yeah. then and then uh, FA Cup tie, which is travelling to Port Vale on Saturday. And then we're obviously recording this on November 27th for Monday, so you're already preparing for tomorrow's oh, yeah. clash with Plymouth. Is that, is that one you can win? I think it is because I don't think Plymouth have taken it as seriously as uh, some other teams. Mm. 
Yeovil have to either tomorrow night they have to you know I think you know what's best is that they either have to win very well or lose incredibly badly and I think that's a really weird thing to say I know, <laughs> you know I don't, I'm not advocating Yeovil go out and lose I don't want Yeovil to go and get thrashed but if they do lose and other results go against them they could still get knocked out if they win or get the other winning draw which I know you know is a bit of a buzzword but you know if they get that win on the penalties and get the two points they win the group what Yeovil don't want to do is finish second in that group I think because then you have an away trip in midweek to um, Milton Keynes to MK Dodds right. which really I think we uh, I think at the moment the focus really has to be on the league and trying to get as far away from that relegation zone as possible and a, an away game in midweek is really the last thing you want in terms of you know in terms of hampering your preparation for the more important games and I'm under no illusions the Chucky Trade Trophy is not you know a priority for Yeovil as far as I'm concerned at the moment if they win, then great, and they get a home tie, then, you know, yes, we've got the extra game, but at least it's at home. It shouldn't affect our preparations as much. So that's what I think, you know, the ideal scenarios would be, because I think the last thing anyone wants to do is go to MK Dons on a on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night when they've got league games in between that. And, of course, you've also got the potential that if that FA Cup tie on Saturday ends in a draw, then they'll have the replay to factor in as well. Yeah, so yes. you really are looking at the potential for <clears throat> a lot of fixture congestion as you go into December. So I was going to say, yeah, obviously, Checker Trade, as you've touched mm. on there, is a more controversial trophy. A lot of managers probably rightly maybe don't take it as seriously. But the FA Cup game I mean, is something that obviously always gets uh, teams in the lower leagues excited. Um, given that it is an away tie, <laughs> we've been discussing how bad Yeovil's form is. I mean, what realistically chances do they have of getting through to the third round, Stephen? I mean, Port Vale are below them in the league, aren't they? Yeah, they, are, they, they have picked up in recent games. Yeah. They had a terrible start. They got rid of their manager. They brought in Neil Aspen from Gateshead and they have improved since then. So I think it's it's going to be a difficult game for Yeovil. I think, you know, like we've said throughout this podcast, I think you just have to go and pretend it's a home game. Go out, set up with your best team set up in a, in a positive and an attacking manner and go and try and take the game to them. And then if they do that, then, you know, I think they, 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 haven't, they have a chance at, at least of, you know, getting a draw and taking it back to a replay. And then if you get a replay at Hewish Park with the, the promise of, you know, potentially one of the Premier League heavyweights because yeah. it can happen, you know, then I'm sure the place will be rocking and it'll be a really good atmosphere to do that. I would all, obviously, I prefer Yeovil just to go and win it and, um, and you know, get it done and dusted yeah. on Saturday because... I think everyone remembers when that draw for Manchester United, uh, you know, came round, and I think it, you know it was it was it was great. But you know, those ten days where you know it was a uh, but we've got to win the replay first. You know, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah. was a, you know a nervy few days for it to all be confirmed. So um, hopefully, Yeovil will do it. You know, I think that you know it's going to be tough. But you know, if they can at least get themselves in the hat for the third round, then um, I think there's a lot of. Uh, Cause your optimism there. Mm. Absolutely, and just very briefly from you, Mike. I mean, what? How much of a difference could it make to the atmosphere at Hewish Park and just the general mood around the place if Yeovil were lucky enough to a beat Port Vale, yeah. b get a big name team drawn to come think, down to Hewish Park or maybe even another way trip? Yeah, I think at the very least. I mean, if we if 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 they win against Port Vale, I mean that's their name and in the, the, the hat for the third round. And I think a lot of that would be something positive because if you had so many losses and so many down results, I mean, a win in the cup, it's like, oh, that's it's better than nothing. It's brilliant. It's something to look forward to. It's something it, look to fact, look yeah. forward to, of course. And then obviously, you know, there's a chance of getting a good championship team and a good Premier League team potentially at home. And imagine how that would be for the atmosphere at Hewish Park, really. You get all those fans who've, you know, haven't been for so long. You get all those armchair fans suddenly, you know, realising, oh, by me, Charlie, you know, we need to noise here to... Back the boys and um, and I think um, 
I think that the FA Cup's key to sort of revitalising uh, um, the overall this season. And, I've, and again, um, not to forget my my point, but basically, um, just gives it some a given distraction yeah. from the league. Ready, absolutely. Just, yeah. Let's hope we do get some uh, magic fairy dust from the FA Cup this weekend. And, yes, the magic of the cup. Although the checker trade is, you know, is a bit of a, a sideshow. Let's hope they get a good result <laughs> against Plymouth as well and just build some momentum yeah, for the league. Thank <laughs> you very much to listening um, to Glover's talk this week. Uh, do remember to subscribe both on iTunes and Audio Boom, and all of Stephen's coverage of the upcoming games will be on SomersetLive.co.uk forward slash sport. See you next week, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Check Tele2.nl for the best deal for you. Ik wil dat het boel, waarom